Hackensack Meridian Children's Health is comprised of two nationally ranked children's hospitals by U.S. News and World Report and are number one in New Jersey. K. Hafnadian Children's Hospital in Neptune and Joseph M. Sanzari Children's Hospital in Hackensack, as well as pediatric inpatient and outpatient services at JFK University Medical Center in Edison. With access to expert pediatricians and over 200 pediatric specialists across the state, Hackensack Meridian Children's Health prides itself on offering specialized pediatric medical care and surgical expertise. To learn more about Hackensack Meridian Children's Health, visit hackensackmeridianhealth.org kids. My name is Kate Santangelo. Welcome to the Monmouth Moms podcast, part of the Monmouth Moms Network. Listen in as we bring awareness to the best local resources for growing families in Monmouth County, New Jersey, chat with local moms and mompreneurs, highlight our favorite resources, local spots, restaurants, and more. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mammoth Moms podcast. We are here on this very, very cold June day. <laughs> I don't know what is happening with summer, but my my birthday is on Monday, and I said to my husband, the, "Thank you." I said to the uh, my husband the other day, "This is the first time in recent memory that um my birthday I wasn't like." planning to go to the beach or something. <laughs> yeah. It's it's been a very dreary forecast. So I'm hoping that it changes a little bit and we get some some sun and some uh, warmer weather, right, for these kids <laughs> just getting out of school. It, it will come. It will come. It'll come. Yes. It did, it it'll, we do need the rain. I know that. In the, you know, I've had fall feeling I was walking in the parking lot. Was, <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, so uh, today's uh, podcast is presented by Hackensack Meridian Children's Health. Uh, we are continuing our family health care series. And today, um, thank you so much for joining. We have Dr. Karras, Dr. Biller on from um, Hackensack Meridian. And we are going to be discussing a little bit about um, positive parenting, right? Uh, we keep hearing these terms about this new wave of um uh, an approach right to parenting, gentle parenting. I think you see a little, a little bit on social media. I know that I've, um, you know, d- definitely seen a lot of different uh, videos and uh, podcasts out there about taking, um, you know, a, a different perspective, a different approach to parenting, and how to de-escalate situations with your children when you are frustrated, they're frustrated, and um, how not to, you know, take it to a level where. Um, you know, you're yelling all the time and it's a, you know, kind of a negative environment within your household. Um, I think, you know, as parents, we've all been there where, you know, you're, um, you're in the thick of it, right? They say in the weeds, um, depending on how old your children are and, you know, you're maybe um, uh, don't have a lot of sleep or you are working a lot and it's just kind of a stressful environment and the kids are stressed out and um, you don't, you know, want to be the, the parent that's always yelling. So, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how to de-escalate situations, how to um, take a different approach. And um, with that, uh, Dr. Karras, if you want to talk a little bit about what you do at, um, at Hackensack Meridian and your background and, um, and what we're going to be talking about today. Great. No, thank you. Uh, I'm a pediatrician. I'm at uh, Jersey Shore, the southern branch of the Hackensack Empire. <laughs> 
And um, I've been there for about 20 years. I was chairman of the department for about uh, 17, 18 years. I'm board certified in general pediatrics, adolescent medicine, and child abuse medicine. So I do a lot of teaching. I run clinics and programs, uh, do a fair amount of work at the medical school, very involved in the community and community organization. That's wonderful. And Dr. Biller? Uh, so uh, I'm a, a child psychologist up in uh, Hackensack University Medical Center at what's called the Audrey Hepburn Children's House, which is a regional diagnostic center. We provide, uh, we're a legislatively identified center that provides um, education to the community about the impact of physical discipline, violence, the impact of aggression, um, and how to uh, work in the area of preventing that. But we also do um, evaluation and treatment it, with children who have uh, expressed or identified that um, they've been abused or neglected. And they've been at the Children's House. I actually started in 2003, had spent about 10 years there, and then had uh, gone to the Regional Diagnostic Center in uh, New Brunswick, where I, uh, direct, I created and directed their graduate training program and educated about concepts from developmental psychology through uh, specialties in child abuse and maltreatment. And I rejoined Hackensack um, October of 2019. So I've been up in the north, but I actually grew up in Monmouth County. So oh. I'm very familiar with it. What so part? In Marlboro. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dr. Karras is in Manalapan right now and also lived in Homedale. So we're all Monmouth yeah. County, uh, yep. I don't know, natives, but we've, we've spent quite a bit of time here. Um, why is it the Audrey Hepburn House? Just out of curiosity. So the Audrey Hepburn House, before the legislation that was there developed to, you know, they were looking at building the center, Audrey Hepburn was very dedicated for those of new, who knew, um, she was dedicated to child, child awareness wow. and um, safety and protection. Um, when she passed away, she had a fund. Her two sons were running that fund. They had been in New Jersey, ironically, for something else in North Jersey. They're meeting with somebody and they said, we'd really like to be able to I'm making a short story, uh, long story short, is really be able to support, you know, something productive with children. And the administration at Hackensack said, hey, we have this small, Hackensack, um, Audrey Hepburn Children's House initially was a small house um, with a, a couple rooms in it where we could do evaluation and treatment. And eventually they, as, as well, the fund uh, donated money towards building the building we're in now, which is a standalone building on the same street as um, the hospital. Mm -hmm. Well, it was actually on another street, but now the hospital has grown so much, it's actually still now on the street of the hospital because the hospital has grown over the yeah, street. Yeah, I know, the hospital has <laughs> yeah, gotten bigger um, over the years, for sure. So they provided funding to build the building that we're in now that was specifically designed for kids to feel safe and comfortable when they have to come and talk about what's happened to them. So everything from the design of the building to allow more windows it's shaped like an H to the colors on the walls, the, the padded carpeting. It's really intended to be a safe place for children. So that's why it was called the Audrey Hepburn Children's Houses because her fund dedicated funding to the, uh, her organization dedicated funding to building the building we're in now, which we're very fortunate to have. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so we touched a little bit on um, the term positive parenting. You hear also gentle parenting. Mm -hmm. um, I've been a mom for everyone knows at this point and through listening to the podcast, 19, a little over 19 years. Um, I was actually on the way here and talking to uh, a friend of mine about the, my guests on the podcast today. And I said, um, you know, I 
am definitely always the person that says, no one listens to me unless I yell, right? You can say it nicely mm -hmm. five times mm -hmm. and then I end up yelling. And I hear that from a, a lot of different parents, right? Um, but you don't also, you also, you don't like who you are when you end up, you know, like losing your, you know, losing your mind. Everyone get ready. We got to get out of the house. And, you know, um, why is mom yelling? <laughs> I just asked and half you. Half the time you don't even realize you're yelling because <laughs> you're at that stage. I just asked you four times yeah. to put your shoes yeah. on, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's so mean. Oh, yeah. And I'm not mean. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think we've all been there. We've all been in a, a scenario where. You know, we're just super frustrated and stressed and, at you know, to push to the brink of just, you know, quote unquote, losing your mind. So, um, you know, um, there's lots of different scenarios with, with parenting. Um, so what are some methods that you talk to parents about with, you know, what is overall what give us a general approach of what positive parenting is? Let's just take your your point about screaming and yelling at your kids. Yeah. Right. So it's a pretty common thing. I think most parents uh, talk, 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 and don't do a lot of action with their kids. How many times you see, you know, families in the grocery store and they're yelling at their kids, "You're not going to go to McDonald's," and of course they take them to McDonald's right. afterwards. So there's no, there's no uh, action for it. So the whole idea about positive parenting to me is you want to raise kids to be able to self-regulate, to, to take responsibility for their actions, mm -hmm. uh, to be socially caring people that's i hope i think everybody's goal what they'd like their kids to be there's nothing to do with whether they're athletes or or you know superstars in the in the music but it's it's how you are as a person as you grow up to be responsible and that's really really what positive pairing it's about it's working with your kids in a thoughtful constructive way to try to get to those uh, those goals and there's a lot of ways to do it, but it can't be after the fact. You can't get angry and then after the fact get upset about that. It's you have to think about what 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 is your job as a parent? How how are you going to do it? How are you and your and your spouse going to do it together? Because mm -hmm. so many times, the other the spouse has a completely different idea, or it's you know you wait till your father gets home. You know that's those uh, that and most people kind of parent the way they were parented themselves is what, what really ha really yeah. happens mm -hmm. and they haven't had a chance to really step back and as a couple talk about what do they really want it to be and how to do it in a way that's really constructive for the for the child interesting and i think jumping off of both what you said and your example is it's the work is done to set the foundation, just like anything that's productive or strong, the foundation has to be set before the individual episode. So in, a, in the example that you're describing is when you're yelling and screaming and so forth, you turn around and you're like, I, first of all, I don't want my kid to think I'm mean. No. I, I don't want to yell and scream. And it's after the fact you're realizing, you know what, I, I need to do something different. So what we need to do is set up an environment that we're creating, as Dr. Carries was saying, is we're creating an environment where we're communicating, but we're also, because communication, as I always say, is, is a two-way street. Mm -hmm. It's, it's If you think about it, when we communicate, we say something, the individual has to interpret that, mm -hmm. they have to communicate back to us, and then it's our understanding. But that's going to be influenced by our emotions, how we're, one is how we're feeling in the moment, but how we feel about interactions and the dynamic between the individuals. So that's something that you have to think about. And um, remember that this new positive parenting or productive parenting or that, that we're talking about, yeah. 
is a bit of a shift. And some people will say, well, come on, I was hit, I was spanked. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. So the first thing is rationalizing, giving acceptance to, we're going to lose our cool. We're going to get frustrated. No matter how much we established a groundwork, whatever it is, there are going to be times where we are losing our cool. So we're going to have to say in those times, okay, I lost my cool. I've got this. But to do the the initial work of figuring out what you can do for yourself to try to keep the frustration as low as you can. Like you said, there's so much going on. So you want to try to start at a level so that as it starts to rise, you're not starting at this level and going up. You're starting at, at this level. And we have to know that it's accepted within the community because it, it gets it's difficult. So yeah. that aspect of it. And we always use the example of, you know, when seatbelt use was first coming out and people were going to legislate that is it had to be a slow roll of educating people of, you know, why seatbelt use is safe and why it's dangerous not to do that. And so that's what we have to understand. What are the reasons that it's important to set a parenting plan to discuss in advance? What are the reasons the negative impact of physical discipline? And then talk about with your kids, what is going to be the repercussions? If this is the, re if this is the action, this is going to be the repercussion and then sticking to it because right. that's the hard part is sticking to it because it feels like punishment to us sometimes when we're punishing our kids. Yeah, so my mom always used to say if she took something away from us and, you know, if we couldn't go somewhere, especially because there was four of us, you know, a lot of the time, like if one of us got in trouble, we couldn't go, then we couldn't go to a movie or wherever. It was like punished the whole family sometimes. Right. So um, so that was, you know, she said, this hurts me just as much as it hurts you. <laughs> I've heard that right. a thousand yeah, times. Right. But, you know, the, um, the so is it, um, is a goal punishment? I mean, so as, as uh, Brett was saying, you want to be, firm you want to be consistent you can't uh, one one day say one thing and next day do something different because they're in a better mood or you know the kids need structure mm -hmm. they need limits and they need things to be firm but they also you have to do it in the sense that you're part of a family together uh, you're not you're not the ogre that the powerful almighty you know owner of the kids that it's a, really it's an interactive process together so for example there's a uh, well, they call it uh, logical consequences as compared to punishment. So punishment is says you're going to do what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm the boss. You, this, this is the way we do it in our family. Right. Uh, but it may have no connection to the act. So they, they, you know, they didn't feed the dog that day, whatever. So they get uh, something gets taken away. They can't go to the movies, whatever. There's there's no connection to the to the actual act. I mean, to me, a better logical consequence would be, well, you don't get fed till the dog gets fed. That's just that's the way it is. I mean, <laughs> like there's nothing, that. that's, a log that's logical it's based on something that actually makes sense to the kid. Right. Uh, the logical consequence for never putting, you know, gas in the car when you have the, your parents' cars, well, you, know, you don't drive that car for a while. Right. So it, it makes sense. It's not, you're not, uh, you're not there dishing out uh, these uh, punishments. Cause what, what happens to most kids when they get punished a lot? They they figure out how to get around it. They sneak, they lie. Mm -hmm. You're not teaching them how to be responsible. You teach them how to how to survive in that particular household. You're not teaching them the right, the right or messages. Or if they take something away that is maybe necessarily like the lesser of two evils, mm. right? And they still, they say to themselves, okay, well, I got my iPad taken away, but maybe I still have, I can still watch TV. Or, right. yeah. Exactly. yeah. They'll figure out something yeah. else. Yeah. right. Something Correct. else to entertain Correct. them. Yeah, and right. it's right. like, so eh, well. Water finds the path of least resistance. <laughs> They're just going to, you know. Right. So true.
you know, I, I wasn't raised with physical punishment. I was raised with guilt, which is, uh, I think, in many ways, a lot worse. You know, mm -hmm. I always to feel guilty for not doing what my parents wanted me to, to feel shame. I think shame is one of the worst kind of emotions for kids to grow up with. It you just it kind of it's very belittling. It uh, affects your self-esteem. So we're not talking about uh, you know using something like that. But positive parenting is again about having kids have a a role in the decision making as long as you are comfortable with the act. You don't just say, you know, well, so you get you know you were out late two nights in a row. So what do, what do you think we should do? Mm -hmm. you know, what, um, you can say that, but whatever they say has to be something that you are going to be mm -hmm. able to live with. The kids don't own the, their their growth and development. You do. You're the parent. You're you're trying to to help them develop and hopefully get it grow into somebody that you that you're proud of and they're they're proud of. So, but but giving them a chance to be involved. I used to I I talk a lot with my families about once a week on a Sunday night, have a family meeting together. Parents, kids really talk regularly with their kids. They, mm -hmm. you know, there's studies to show that maybe a teenager spends 10 minutes and most a week just talking with their parents. Everybody's in 20 different directions. Particularly now with social media oh my and gosh. everything going on. So ha have a family meeting where you can just talk about whatever and, and uh, own and share and talk about what's coming up with the week and things that have been good or bad. It's um, you know, you really want to build that ability to communicate and trust and just feel secure with each other. Oh, I love that. I love that. And some of it, too, is about deve understanding developmental milestones uh -huh. because our expectations are going to often dictate our reactions. And oftentimes, kids, whether it's young children or adolescents, they're acting in a developmentally appropriate manner in testing something in growing in some way. And we get frustrated at it and see it as defiance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, an example I use it for a young child is, you know, when you have a young child in a high chair and they have food and they take it and they throw it on the floor and they look and they laugh. And oftentimes parents get upset and they, you know, you get the feeling of that was done intentionally. When we look at it, the research is it's actually a developmentally appropriate way, not something we like. But in that stage, a child may be going experience what we call um, object permanency, where it's the idea of when something is away and gone that we understand it's not or it is. And it's entertaining for them, but there's also a reaction. So we have to understand developmentally, too, at a young age, well, even as adolescents, there's Kids like reactions. They feed off of that. So, you know, if uh, your child is throwing something on the floor, it may not be to really anger you. We have to developmentally understand, is that just their way of looking at object permanence? Is that their way of gaining attention? And if it's the latter, if we're looking to just gain attention, how do we provide that attention so it's not negative attention? Mm -hmm. So how are we going to, how is that going to impact their future behavior? And then we're going to look at modeling how we would like that child to react to something else that they're experiencing in right. the world. It's actually a logical consequence to a, a, a toddler acting out for attention is not to give him more attention, scream, holler, do this or that, but just just to walk away, walk away just to not be involved. Interesting. The lack of attention is a consequence of bad behavior. And, uh, so if you have, um, say, an adolescent boy who's maybe in like, you know, fifth grade and he is acting out repeatedly, is that 100% always the, um, uh, 
someone that is is looking for attention or is are there other different factors there because that's what you always hear right oh he just he's acting out because there's something wrong at home and he wants attention um yeah so here's what i i say kids live in like four domains they live at home they live with their friends they live at school they live with whatever activities they're involved with if they're having trouble in more than one domain, then there's something going on with that particular kid that you really have to better understand. If it's just issue in one domain, everything's fine at home, but they're having a lot of trouble in school, acting out, doing all sorts of things. There must be something in that environment that's maybe has a dyslexia, maybe has something else going on. It's a, it's a sign to look a little bit deeper. So the first question is, is it something that's universal to all parts of his life, or is it really segmented to, that, to one particular area? That's the first thing to better understand. Yeah, I 100% agree because it, you know, I was going to respond to that as kind of a trick question because it's loaded. You know, there's so much going on in a child's life today that it's hard to understand. And one of the things that we think about is, you know, an example of, you know, a child who may be problematic at home. And, you know, you go into conferences, school teacher conferences, and the teacher's like, your son is phenomenal. He's always listening. <laughs> like and so the first, <laughs> right, exactly. it's, you bifurcate the reaction. First is you want to kill yourself because you're like, what do you mean? Like, he's a terror at home, but at the same time, you're so relieved that, yes. oh, okay, they're good at home. So then if we're going to look at the problem, like anything else, if you had a problem with your car, if you had a problem with your computer, we want to try to you know, separate how we're going to look at which system in order to affect some kind of positive change. So now we look, okay, he seems to be doing well, according to the teacher in school, um, at least in her presence or his presence, um, and he's not at home. So what are the differences between home and school? Is it structure? Is it, you know, emotional dysregulation? What is it? And then you could pinpoint a little bit more of the possibilities but also, if you can, it's also important to reach out for assistance for other people who may know, whether it's a pediatrician, a therapist or something, to, to try to explore where it is. Right. Because even asking a child, they may not know. You yeah, know, and they from, don't know how to help themselves, right? No. So they need to be Even guided. as adults, sometimes we don't. You know, There's you a don't. pervasive anger and we can't figure out what's going right. on and frustration. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of exploration to do that. There's, al- work, there's, right? also, there's also something called the adolescent brain. Mm-hmm which means that most kids till their late teens, early 20s, are really driven by impulses. Uh, you know, that's why suicide is such a big deal. They get upset and they reach out to do something that's destructive. Terrible, yeah. They don't have any delayed gratification. That part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which can, gives us that ability to delay and to think ahead and to be more rational, it takes a long time to develop. It's not till early 20s, sometimes a little bit later. In both boys and girls? Boys and girls. And ironically, the research shows Piaget looks into this. He's a you know in the psychology world, mm-hmm. and he was saying he's only forty percent of even adults have the ability to, <laughs> to, to let delay gratification. Delay gratification. Yeah. So it, it's, it's very valid with adolescents. Right. So, right. Yeah. So teens um, are, you know, and, and time minutes later, they're they're over it. So um, you know, again, with with the kid that's acting out, how much of it is for? Just to try to gain some control, mm-hmm. some sense, some, you know, mo- most kids actually, if they're going to act at all, they're going to do it at home. It's, it's in some way, it's safe. It's a safe place to do it. Right. And so it's so it's hard for the parent to deal with that. Most parents had this very happy eight, nine, ten year old would go anywhere with them, and now they have this kid that doesn't want to go there, doesn't want to be with them, is uh, you know annoyed this or that. So, so you have to be able to kind of step back a little bit. 
you know, most parents either take uh, too much blame for what happens or too much credit when things go well. I mean, kids go through these stages, and your goal is to understand that, to see how how best you can work it out together. A ask the ask the kid, you know, what's what's going on. They want to know all the answers, but they may know that that things are really having they're having a difficult time with this this or that. Most most parents think that kid must be on drug. That's the first thing that comes always. In, that's always that was that always my first mind when the, thought. When like, what's going right, on? Right. What are you not telling me? <laughs> right. And it's there's terrifying. sometimes it gets so bad the parents are like, and why aren't you sharing? Because you're killing me here. Yeah. <laughs> and that, it's it's, a, it's hard. Yeah, it's super hard. It I mean, I've had you know, I've only, I've only raised one teenager yeah. so far, and I feel like I was saying the other day, I feel like I'm at the other side. He's 19, and he's starting to become what I keep calling a human again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's talking to me I feel like he kind of came back we used to be very close and then once he turned like I'd say 12 was when things like really started right. to become right. different right and he wasn't like that you know he used to if I I used to work in restaurants so if I worked like at night he mm. would um, go under the dining room table with a picture of me and mm. fall asleep with mm. it like he was he loved me and then all of so a sudden sweet. he didn't love me you know? <laughs> but he's, you know, he, and he, he always loved you he it never, was just he you know it wasn't right. that expression right. and it was right. so frustrating right. I used to go into right. his room and you know like so we you know what's going on in your head and you just look at me like right. what are you doing but, you know what you just said you asked the what question i always right. say with parents is try to avoid the why questions why questions are really difficult for kids to answer you're going to get because i don't know or if you say what are some of the reasons you're getting frustrated what are some of the reasons it's a little bit easier to answer so um but it, it, you know funny story i tell you about that 12 year old age and now he's 19 he's coming back. so we we're talking a co-worker and i were talking and he's got now his his kids are older but he was telling me about when unfortunately when he uh his daughter was about 12 years old went to sleep everything was fine and he woke up the next morning and found his daughter was kidnapped um and it was he found that he was she was kidnapped by aliens oh. and the aliens <laughs> left their <laughs> daughter oh, I see. and he had to raise this alien he said and um they and they it was a tough job but he said around when she, his daughter was about 21 she came home the alien must have been picked up by her parents and so so he raised this alien and eventually his daughter came home but he you know he he finds that experience that you're talking about is that you know he jokes about it but he's like you know those teen years were really tough it was yeah. like um dr carries was saying is you have this great latency age early adolescence pre-adolescence where you could have almost like a different child totally. in, into that, that yeah. time period and we have to understand like i was saying before is the developmental nature of it yeah. they're part of their egocentric adolescence is what's going on and they're exploring their boundaries and there's so we have to be able to work with that and at some point you know accept things that aren't going to be dangerous and harmful and then set appropriate boundaries because there's both a healthy uh, loving kindness mm -hmm. and too much of that is not good and there's a healthy boundaries too much of the boundaries aren't so we have to see the relationship between the loving kindness and the boundaries and what works for that particular child yeah I saw on the way here, it's funny, um, uh, my son came out of his room and he said to me, what are we doing for your birthday on Monday? And I turned around and I said, excuse me? <laughs> you remember? I could have, because I couldn't believe, he said, I said, I'm, re I'm really not right. sure, it's on a Monday, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, and I was shocked, I think, of my jaw oh, draw yeah. to the floor, because, you know, there were years where he'd 
basically blew off my birthday, right. you know. So that was so, your gift right there. That was, yeah. <laughs> I said, I, said I, I really don't need anything. I'm just happy that you're back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, too, that, you know, it took a lot to probably get to this point, right? Mm -hmm. the, those years are really mm -hmm. challenging. And, and I will say, too, like, parents always say that you don't ever want to come off as the know-it-all as a parent, right? Oh, well, I had this and I know better because I already had a kid at that age because every experience is different. Every child is different. Um, but I always used to hear that, you know, mom say, well, the older the child, the harder the problem. And it is true because the consequences are larger when they're, the you know, the, yeah. The, yeah, when they start driving, it's terrifying. All of those sleepless nights when they're out late. And so a lot of that is it's the you know, what can happen to them is far worse than what can happen to them as a two-year-old. Um, but I also think too, looking back now, not knowing what I knew, you know, when I was, when I was so young and had him and now with my daughter, though, and even now still like at her, the age she's at, when they're little, like those fundamentals that you are, you know, when you are yelling at like a one-year-old to like stop or something, you just think they're not going to remember because they're little, like, oh, it's fine. They don't even, you know, like, or how things are in their world or in their environment when they're that age. But to, like explain a little bit about kind of the data that is, is coming out of the, 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 ramifications of not disciplining your child in the right way, even from the an early, early age. So I talk of whenever I you know talk about the 100 percent what you're saying, there is a significant impact of what happens when you're younger. I first start off and ask, did you go to the bathroom today, by the way? Yes. Where did you go to the bathroom? At the, in the bathroom. So what was the reason you went in the bathroom? Because that's where you go. How do you know that? Because that's what I learned. <laughs> Do you remember being toilet trained? No. But you act every day, multiple times a day, on something that you learned that you don't remember. Right. It's the same thing with anything that our kids learn. They're picking up and learning things based on what we do, how we treat other people, and even how we treat ourselves. Right. And that's part of the fa fundamental part of positive parenting is setting that example both for your children and yourself to lay that foundation, to do what you need to do to keep your emotions as best as they can be. So taking time for yourself, whether it's a, we joke, but you know, an adult timeout, you know, if you have to get up in the morning and run before your kids, are, so that you could be at a better place throughout the day, or if there's meditation or something else that's working for you, it sets an example. And you, you also have to remember is, you know, we rationalize, oh, I'll spank them, they're young, but as they get older, then I'll stop. Right. That's gonna have an impact, even if they don't remember specific incidents, mm -hmm as we use with the example with going to the bathroom is what we do when they're younger has an impact and a memory throughout the lifetime. So. There's a book um, that Oprah wrote with, I don't recall who um, the co-author was, but it's what happened to you. I'm sure, I'm sure mm -hmm. you're familiar yeah, with right. it. Um, and it's really eye-opening just the, you know, which how impactful trauma is on, um, on a person a right. and um, like how, you know, what an impact you can make on people mm -hmm. by, you know, putting them through traumatic experiences. So um, this is why it was so important to me to have this conversation right. today, right. because I don't, I think a lot of parents don't even, you know, maybe realize like the impact that they're having on their children from a very young age, right? Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the uh, No Hit Zone program mm -hmm. at Hackensack. Yeah. So the No Hit Zone program um, is coming from a place where um, the the idea is, like I was talking about before, is reducing the violence within the home, within communities, and changing ideology about the use of physical discipline. And a part of it came out of research out of Harvard that has demonstrated that even 
physical discipline, not illegal physical discipline, discipline of spanking and hitting reduces gray matter in the brain. So it shrinks the size of the brain, the intelligence of, of the child. That usually gets you in the door of parents saying, let me hear a little bit about this. But the concept is, and also as we talked about before, is changing the ideology so that we understand both that where we came from in, you know, as parents always says, oh, I got spanked and I'm a, a, a great person or whatever. And we always say, as the joke is as well, you got spanked and look how good you're, look how well you're doing. Could you imagine how much better better you 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 could have been doing? But the idea is, it came out of actually uh, Cincinnati Children's and Infant and Children Hospital, where they wanted to reduce violence within the hospital and the community. And they started putting signs up that says, no adult hits an adult, no adult hits a child, no child hits a child, and no child hits an adult. And the premise was with an understanding of that type of behavior would not be accepted in that environment, they were going to reduce incidents of aggression in the hospital, which was high, and then move it into the homes and that individuals, team members at the hospital would make a commitment to nonviolence both at the workplace and eventually in the homes. That program has grown. It's now throughout the country. Actually, there's uh, no hit zone programs throughout the world with the concept of putting that signage up, but also now is it's expanded to where team members, so at Hackensack, at the children's hospitals, we've committed to no-hit zones, and the program is going to actually be rolling out in the next couple of weeks, um, so it's hot off the presses. There's going to be signage up within the hospitals expressing exactly no the, the no-hitting policy. All team members are committed. It's part of what we're committed to anyway, but, you know, attached to the no hit zone. But we're also making up packets with information about the positive parenting and the negative impact of parenting, as well as information about uh, positive parenting groups that we're going to be providing, as well as distraction um, fidget tool toys that are going to be in these packets. And they're going to be given out to everyone in pediatrics at registration. And when a team member, a nurse, clerical, or someone else sees that there may be some escalation, they're going to be taught how to step in and say, hey, if you could just you know, if you want, there's some materials in there for, you know, to distract your child, to, you know, for your reading. But we're now expanding. That's the the initial no-hit zone program. Mm-hmm. At Hackensack, we're expanding it because, you know, from our perspective is if we're going to enhance wellness, if we're going to reduce violence in the community and schools, we have to give folks uh, the tools to know how to do something in place of it. So yeah. we've created a six-session uh, uh, model mm-hmm. where it's going to be broken up and parents don't have to be you know, involved in child protective service or anything. Just parents who would like to explore positive parenting themselves mm-hmm. can sign up and there'll be QR codes. And on our website, it's going to be available as well. And the, the, the groups actually will be starting in August as the summer, as kids start going back to school and so forth. Schedules are difficult to do it now. But the the first part of the groups are really going to validate us as parents of where we come from in using physical discipline. We're not evil people. We're not bad people. But, you know, there's some religious misconceptions about physical discipline or cultural understanding about it. So we're going to rationalize it so that we could say, okay, here's where we're coming from it. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the negative impact and how physical discipline does have a negative impact, impact right. the positive impact of productive parenting. And then we're going to provide skills and use specific examples from parents, and we're going to role play with that. And hopefully we also will build relationships with the family members who are in that group mm-hmm. so that they could reach out to each other for assistance and, and build a community. Because it really takes 
a larger community for assistance, and if nothing else, to support each other and spread awareness. Yeah, or even if you know you're in a group with somebody else who can relate to it, and you can form that relationship, you can say, "Hey, you know my." eight-year-old is you remember we talked about this uh, what's worked for you what's this is really what happened to work for me exactly and then the folks here at Hackensack will be Mm -hmm. continued resource so the clinicians who are going to be running those groups will be available via email calls or what have you and the great part about this is we're not just doing it in the hospital we've partnered right now with Head Start and Early Head Starts in Neptune in Asbury Hackensack Jersey City and and Patterson to go in to those centers and provide this education and awareness and create no-hit zones within those communities. And then those families create no-hit homes Mm -hmm. where they could put signage there and kids and adults will commit that we are not hitting each other, we're not going to, and create a model for that. And hopefully the goal is to continue to grow this so that we could go into schools, businesses, and really help out in providing a a resource and a non-threatening, non-accusatory manner of yeah, doing you know, it. It's, it's, a, it's a big issue. I think in the U.S., 80% of families hit their kids. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's um, a staggering statistic. It, it is. It's a, a little bit better than it was. It has gotten a little bit better, but... There has and, been a, sp- a spike back up since COVID. Right? Yeah, that and makes the, sense. The other thing is, you know, when you hitting your kids as a process of parenting rarely happens in a thoughtful way. It happens out of anger. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's not like, well, when this happens, they're going to get a hit... Usually something happens, the parent gets very upset and they whack. And they, first of all, it doesn't really work. And mm-hmm. second of all, if usually with enough with enough force leaves as bruises, that's called child abuse mm-hmm. when it gets to that point. There's one, about 30 years ago in Sweden, they passed a law banning physical mm-hmm. discipline. And um, it's still enforced. I don't know, there's some penalties, some usually it's about a fine, but what it really did was it um, it taught from the beginning that there's better ways to parent, and parent dis- physical discipline in Sweden is down to about fifteen percent. Wow, oh, that's it incredible! Ma- it makes a difference when the country supports. It's all they're that, all on the same that, page. Exactly right. Oh, so that's so interesting. The change of the ideology that we've been talking about. So. Right, and, and and it's so true. If you think about it, is whenever you've hit someone or you were talking about even that you yell, is you never feel good about it. Right. You feel remorseful. There's a study. Uh, I think it was 2001 or 2002, it was a while ago now, um, where they took a large group of, I believe it was 200 kids in two different groups. Mm-hmm. They asked one question, and it was about discipline. It says, what was the reason you got in trouble? One of the groups were kids who privileges removed. They were talked to. There's non-physical means of discipline. Okay. The other group, it was physical discipline. Not abusive, but physical uh, discipline. And they asked the groups, what were the reason that you got in trouble? The majority of the kids in the group that um, were disciplined, non-physical discipline said, you know, I didn't do my homework, I t- stole from my sister, whatever it may be. Right. A higher significance of kids in the uh, physical discipline group said, my mommy's mean, my daddy doesn't love me, and they attached to the emotion of the aggression rather than than w- the reason they were, were being disciplined. And some of the people responded to that article and said, that's ridiculous. I was hit as a kid and I know it was because I didn't listen, I didn't do this. And the researchers responded back and said, that that's actually 100% accurate. You are correct. So if you want your children to understand why you're disciplining them when they're an adult, keep hitting them. If you want them to understand as a kid and change their behavior, 
maybe think of non-physical means of discipline. I thought that was an incredible mm -hmm. series of research that true, truly un we could understand that as a parent. So, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah interesting. Yeah. Is there data that is um, shown that um, adults that become like criminals are also like, is that like something Th there that you is can connect actually the, the there's a definite data that if you were hit a lot, you're going to use a lot more violence yourself as you grow up. So that, yes, um, being aggressive, aggressiveness, assault uh, definitely increases. But it's also tied into you know, whether they have any sense of self-esteem, self-worth, because that also d disappears. When you're constantly being disciplined and put down, usually it's associated with verbal assault too, not just physical assault. Mm -hmm. you're, you're stupid, you're dumb, whatever. It, it, it affects how you are, how you, how you see yourself as a person. Again, positive parenting is about trying to grow self-esteem, not, not decrease. It's not, it's not you are the, you know, you're, you're the dictator of the family. It's mm -hmm. really, you're there to help support parent, help them get to be a, as good, a good a person as they can be. That's your, that's really your role as a parent. I always um, ask parents, is it fun being a parent? When it's, when it's not fun, I know there's something going on there that need, needs to get looked at. It, it, with all the work that it is, it should be fun being a parent. You should love being with your kids. You mm -hmm. should have special times with them where you plan ahead, where you talk, where you get out, you have dinner together, whatever. Yeah. It should be something that's really part of your part of the life of living together. If it's not fun, then, then there's something that needs to get looked at. Interesting. So, Dr. Karras, you mentioned um, before we uh, we started the podcast today that positive parenting is really mostly, uh, you know, your a mindset, right? It's not it's not specific, specific things that you do in an instance. It's right. it's really just your how you you know I don't want to say your lifestyle, but how you live and and your environment every day. Um, but I would like to also uh, give an example to those listening right now. If you have a you know two year old, right, who is just you know I, I, they say. I, even in my experience, two, three was kind of uh -huh. more tricky than two because uh -huh. um, they, they have more of a more of a vocabulary and they can be <laughs> little tiny little dictators, uh -huh. you know, um, and they have meltdowns. What are some we, what is one example of how, like how to deescalate de a situation that's getting out of control, like in a store, for instance, you know, you're in Target and your kid is on the floor screaming because they want the Paw Patrol thing and you're horribly embarrassed right, right. and you just want to melt right. onto the floor and die. So. <laughs> First thing, can you keep your calm? Okay. Can, can, can you avoid screaming and feeling somehow that the world's looking at you? Can you redirect? Can you kind of get them to look at other things? Get them to get, you know, they're, 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 uh, their ability to stick with one thing is pretty, yes, pretty limited, pretty, pretty small. <laughs> yeah. So get, get them to look at something else or whatever. Um, usually that works. I mean, I, I, if kids are really acting out so much and you can't, then you got to just leave, leave the leave, place, just right. leave. Yeah. And to me, a logical consequence, you don't go back the next time to the store. Mm -hmm. We'll try it again. You always have a chance to do better, right? But you're not going to go back next time. It's uh, you're not not ready to do, to, to do that again. Okay. And one of the principles of positive parenting is the self awareness. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, we react based on, you know, what Dr. Gary was saying: is the what is everyone around me seeing what is ever so we panic mm -hmm. and we don't want everyone around to be looking and what is what are they judging me I and mean, these are all you know thoughts that whip in and out of your head and you know they're going to call child protective oh. services you need to get up so one thing is you have to stop yourself and realize okay this is developmentally appropriate you know you, this is a two-year-old a three-year-old does this and then go to the skills of okay how do i distract them mm -hmm. what do i do to get and if i can't then it is okay to pick them up, 
go outside, change the environment, and that too will help a child. Here's another thing. I, I think um, we as a society don't do a lot to support each other. Mm. We, we have One of the problems with the reporting law is it's easy to make the call, then you can even do it anon anonymously, nobody even has to know you're called. If that's happening in a store, and sometimes just going up and say, can I help you? Can you I mean, just that, that kind of support can be tremendously supportive to people. I mean, right. People need, it does take a village to raise a child. It's not just one person. It, it's, that's why in the extended families, the grandparents and the aunts, they're so important to the life of that child also. So, I mean, doing it together is, is so valuable. So valuable. And not to take offense, if somebody were to step in and say, hey, do you need some help? It, they're there to help. They're not there to, you know, we take that as a judgment. Oh, they think I can't parent my child. If you can use the help, take the help at that point, you okay. know, and deal with the emotion, how that feels afterward, mm -hmm. because it'll help you de-escalate. And then you start to realize, you know what, this person has been in that situation before, and that's why they're coming to help. Yeah, we see, we see it in child abuse all the time. So the family's living in a hotel apartment, and the next door neighbor, all, all they hear is all the screaming and mm -hmm. stuff are going on. So do they offer help? No, they just they call the child protection. That's what they do, which is... They think they probably are helping in that way, but they probably don't want to get involved. They, they don't want to get involved, yeah. really. Right. Um, right. It's interesting. Um, so what about um, a preteen who comes home from, uh, you know, middle school and they got detention for cheating or something like that? Um, you know, your first instinct is like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm so angry with you. Start yelling at the child. Um, what's like the best way to handle a situation like that? One of them is not to start off yelling with the, the child yeah. because you realize is you're angry again because how it makes you feel and you start getting outside of the moment and what that's going to be in, with the teachers, with the principal down the road. What does this mean? And so let's stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, your child engaged in a behavior for some kind of reason. And one of the things you want to do is you sit down with that child and say, listen, I get it. They're probably upset too. Right. You know, they cheated for a reason. There was probably, you know, anxiety about the test, whatever it may be. Then they got caught. Then they got detention. Then they're worried about how you're going to react. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of being in that moment and asking the question, listen, or, or stating the facts first. Listen, we understand. You got caught cheating. You got in trouble at the school. And there's consequences. And, and we understand that. What's going on? Tell us. What was the reason? Start it there. What was the reason? That you thought about cheating, you know, think, and not that the child has to have that explanation right now. Let's think about it. What are some reasons that you did that? Mm -hmm. And allow them to talk and go from where they are. A lot of times we go from where we are. It's sometimes the kids will give us the information when given the opportunity for them to explore what are some of the reasons they were engaging in that behavior. Mm -hmm. And then we could come up with a consequence from there that's going to make sense for where the actions came from. Right. But the consequence uh, should be consistent with the school. You can't you can't have a situation where you're doing this and the school's doing something completely different. You're, you're a team together. If if something happened at school, something happening at work, mm -hmm. then your boss is going to be the one that's going to be disciplining you. If something happens at school, it should be the principal that's really responsible. But they, that principal needs to talk to you about that too, so you know what's going on. But so many parents actually enable the issue actually because they they get angry too or they, they, they side with the, the child that the parent the school did something wrong, oh, et cetera. Right. 
So the kids, kids are very good about manipulating, playing the situation. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're better than most people are about doing that. So, so you really want to be in sync with the school for one thing. You want to understand what really happened. Um, and it's the you need to, as Brett was saying, you have to kind of figure out what, what what's what's really the underlying issues that mm -hmm. are at play. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you're not firm. It doesn't mean that you let them get away with it. They have to. It's a it's a learning opportunity. But can it be a learning opportunity where they take responsibility? For their action themselves right and even talking like dr carries is saying and he said before is identifying a plan but also being consistent with your parenting partner so in this instance whether it's a teacher a school a, a spouse or so if we look at adolescents sometimes how they interact and use that in example of parenting we could come from a point of strength and what i mean by that is if you have two kids at home two adolescents they will fight constantly 24 7 until they want something mm -hmm. and then they are the strongest bond you will ever <laughs> see and they will agree they may not agree 100 percent, but they're going to stick together to to get what they need that's what we need to do as parents too is you as a partner may not necessarily agree in that moment of what you know your spouse has said okay you're going to have you know three weeks of no you know electronics you're thinking that's not possible, but you don't want to step in and say, no, 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 we'll, we'll support your partner in that and come from that unified front. And then after, when the children are present, say, okay, let's think about this. What kind of, how is that going to impact us? Right. How is this going to impact the child? Is this going to work? And let's see if we come up with something maybe that's a little bit more reasonable. And then together you go and say, listen, mom and dad, dad, mom, whatever it is, we've thought about this. We're going to change our, and you come together in that. And similar to the schools, you may not 100% agree, but for the for the child's sake to sh show consistency, you you support that. And then if you need to go speak to the teacher or the vice principal because you disagree, do that on your own so that there is some kind of consistency and that whatever that punishment is has stability. It's not uh, splitting. Mm. Interesting. And sometimes if you're really emotional, just uh, take a break. Yeah. <laughs> Come back when you're more with it and have thought about it some. Otherwise, you're just going to escalate it into something that's going to get into a fight. And nobody nobody wins when there's a fight where both sides are screaming at each other and the, the kid's upset and throwing things or whatever escalates because of the event. So just back off. Sometimes I tell parents things are really bad. Just go into your room and take take five minutes. Just right. take take your own time out. Just right. get, get 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 reorganized. And I mean, how many times have you know you've seen so a kid get a timeout, and as an adult you're like, oh, I wish I could have a timeout. <laughs> Do it if you wish you can. Figure it out and take a timeout at some point. You give yourself a timeout. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I have said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so being on the same team, having a good parenting plan, um, uh, enforcing consequences and following right. through with um, you know with whatever the right. the punishment is. Talk um, less, act more. Yeah, yeah, act more. Understand developmental milestones right. and where they're at. Right. And start early. Don't don't wait till you're a teenager to start that. Start when you. Build that foundation. Like, that's right. They, right. They, they have to trust you. Kids, everybody needs to feel like whatever is happening, they trust the situation. They feel safe. Yeah. They feel loved. If, that, that, if that's not there, it's very hard to suddenly come in and start uh, doing it differently. Yeah. Um, I will say that, you know, all kids are different. I have two children who are could mm -hmm. not be more different um, in school and just their persona, really everything. Um, and 
you know, in the same house. And it's funny yeah. how they they are just they react differently to different things. Um, it's good to but, know that too. That can't do it the same for every child. Well, that's the yeah. thing. So, what are some resources for parents, right? To take it, obviously, to take a time out to make sure that you're getting that self care. We talk a lot about on this podcast about mm -hmm. the yes. importance of self care for for mothers and and obviously for fathers. And you know, for me, I mentioned before that, you know, for me, that's that's running, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't run most days, like I. I just need it. It's much. Yeah, it's much more it. for like a mental. Yeah. Um, you know, I check in with myself. I just like listen. You know, or not listen. I yeah. talk to myself about you know what's happening in, in that week and that month and you know just uh, overall kind of check in with you know how, how my day's going. Um, and I'm much better if I run. If I yeah. don't. It's, I just need that. And they say that even with dogs, right? Like they yeah. need to be, they're so much better behaved if, you know, if they don't get, if, if they get exercise. So um, what are some resources for parents, you know, because some kids are more challenging than others, mm -hmm. right? And you are faced with all kinds of different, um, you know, predicaments and uh, and just things that they bring to you, right? That maybe you like aren't prepared for. I don't, you know, I wouldn't even have known how to handle this situation. So um, um, there's lots of different organizations and resources within the community. Um, what would you, you know, outside of therapy or maybe it is therapy, what would you recommend is like a number one thing for parents to go to? I think, you know, you're hitting on the, the important part of parenting is there's there's more than one person. There's not just the child. There's the, the, you're the self. Right. And parenting is about a system and how those interact. So again, is you have to find what works for you. Whether it's running and you know, to me, physical activity is essential. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of if we think about even how humans have developed back before we had chairs and businesses and offices and so forth, the human body is used to moving. It's used to movement and it helps build endorphins. It helps oxygenate the blood. It helps in all those different areas. So that's fundamental. Even taking a walk outside for five minutes so you could breathe and think. And also when I say is when you think is you don't have to listen to everything that you say to yourself. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes we beat ourselves up right. just because we say it doesn't mean we have to listen to everything and we have to be aware of, okay, is this something I need to hear right now? Is this something I need to listen to right now? But I, I think that the number one thing to do is resources in general. Mm -hmm. And for you, if it's you know physical activity, for other people, if it's a social group, for others, if it's family, for others, if it's therapy, religion, whatever it may be, is mm -hmm. it's individual, just like we we're talking about for children. Find what works for you mm -hmm. so you could better yourself and then you'll be able to better pick out other resources because there's a litany of resources on the internet where they're in the schools. But that's another good resource is the schools, is the guidance counselors, teachers, principals. They deal with whatever you're dealing with at home, you know, with hundreds of kids all the time every year. So they've figured out some of the resources. So that's another great place is the schools because that's their second home. You know, they spend just as much time sometimes there as they do awake hours as they do at, at home. So yeah. one is focus on yourself and what works for you and find those resources. And then two is reach out to those that are closest to the kids, which happens to be schools. And, you know, schools are also the ones who see the most. They're the ones who report to Child Protective Services mm -hmm. the most. So um, they have some really good resources. I think, too, the, um, you know, just the ability to to acknowledge that, you know, they, they say if you're doing things repeatedly and, you know, it's the same outcome, <laughs> obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's never going to change. Right. And a lot of I think a lot of people don't 
make the changes because they don't need more work to do. Oh, I can't handle mm -hmm. that because I right. can't afford therapy or oh, I can't do that because whatever. But when the when you actually put yourself in it, it makes things easier and is mm -hmm. actually like, you know, makes the whole process better. Right. And so many in work and in, in life and everything um, and mm -hmm. putting yourself taking that first step. Right. Like showing up and doing that, you know, that next thing to make things better. It's al it's almost easier from there. It's mm -hmm. really just kind of getting to that point of making the change. Right. None of it's ever easy. Right. None of this is easy. So you have to pick which which is the, pick your heart right yeah, pick, pick your heart. which is your heart right, exactly. right. but don't go to internet and get 20 mm. different ideas yeah, and right. change it to next week I mean, so you have to have some ability to settle on a course and stick with it having either it's a spouse or somebody close to you that you can talk to about this stuff i think it's really really critical i, I feel very badly for a single parent they mm. don't they don't have the potential of having somebody else to do it with them they're in it alone and they need either a, a best friend or a, their mother or somebody to really help them i think having support is is a really a critical piece for particularly, particularly for parenting for raising raising a family right absolutely yeah well thank you so much for um coming today and discussing this really important topics i think we touched on a lot of um a lot of different things, but I know, you know, as a parent and so many parents listening right now, um, if you're, you know, if you're struggling or even if you just want to kind of improve and, you know, just make things a little bit more harmonious and peaceful in your in your home, I hope that you took a little bit of what we discussed today. Absolutely. Also, um, uh, I'm uh, hoping to see more of from the no hit zone um, uh, resources coming to Monmouth County and right. being implemented within um within Monmouth and, and throughout New Jersey. So that's really exciting things. And if you're in, if anyone is interested in implementing it, whether it's in their home, in their organization, their church, synagogue, um, absolutely reach out to the, you know, at the Audrey Hepburn Children's House website, there's information on it and how to contact us as well as more information about the program. So. Okay. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you so much to Hackensack Meridian Children's Health. We will link the uh, the website uh, in the podcast here so you can access that and get more information about everything we discussed today. My pleasure. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Thank you.